Welcome to another episode of the Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. Before we get into it, though, I wanted to do a proper introduction of the guest that I'm interviewing today. Her, she's a really good friend of mine. We have been friends for years, and her name is Jen Delvaux. The reason I wanted to invite Jen on, I mean, obviously we're friends and she's an amazing person and she's so inspiring, but in 2021, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I have I have watched this journey from afar and I've watched her just take control of her own health and just empower every single person around her on her social media, friend groups like us and sharing her story with us, but also just, she just took it a step further and she even created a cancer community for women. And you'll hear this on this episode. It's it's so good. And why, why I want you to... S- hang out, even if you do not have breast cancer, why this is such a good episode is because there's takeaways for everybody. She talks about how it felt when she got the diagnosis, how she handled it. She gives tips about that. So if you're brand new to getting your diagnosis, this is a great episode for you or to send to somebody you know who who's experiencing this right now and going through the, the trauma and the struggles of this. But also she tells you tangible takeaways on what you can do to help yourself heal. And then she also goes into talking about preventative measures that you can take. So that's why I'm saying this this episode, it's a good one. It's a good one. But more about Jen. (laughs) I'm like gushing over the episode. But she is a certified integrative health practitioner. She's a podcast host of Not Today Cancer. You'll hear her talk about that on this episode. She's a published author of Not Today Cancer, a non-typical survival guide for the women who wants to thrive, not just survive. You can get that on Amazon, by the way, and we'll talk about that on this episode. But then she's we talk about her husband a lot, who also has cancer. He was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2009. You're going to hear all about that and just, just all the struggles, but also how they've overcome a lot of these struggles and how they use humor to to get through their days. And it's just, she's so inspiring. You're going to love her. And then she's a mom of two. She, her daughter just had a baby. So she's excited about that. And um, other than that, she is, you can tell she feels very purpose driven and like her mission and the reason that she's on earth, you can hear it in her voice when you hear her speak that she is here to be a light for other women navigating through this, the diagnosis, cancer diagnosis, and show them the way. I feel like she created this community in the way because she was struggling to find a place where she fit in. So anyways, you are going to love this episode. So let's just get into it. Welcome to the Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. I am your host, Mindy Wender Querio, and I'm a small town go-to girl next door who is obsessed with helping others see more for themselves so they can thrive in all areas of life. I love researching all the things like wellness, mindset, relationships, you name it. If I'm obsessed with it, I get hyper-focused on it and I research the crap out of it, and then I share it with you. If those are things that you're also obsessed with, then keep listening and let's become new best friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. And today I get to interview my friend, Jen Delvaux. You guys maybe have, I've shared her stuff before. We're so different in what we share because she shares a lot about healing cancer. And I'm more of like, 
healing autism, but it's like the same realm. So Jen, why don't you start off by sharing a little bit more about you? Well, first of all, Mindy, I'm so excited to be here. I love to share my story in hopes to help other people that are going through a diagnosis or just a struggle in their lives. I mean, we're all going to go through something at one point in our lives. And, and I like to be that light, that guiding light for other women that are going through it. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I needed to see people in front of me getting through it in a really positive way. And that helped me so much. So a little backstory. My husband was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2009. So we know cancer. I already knew it when I was diagnosed, but, but that his roller coaster, it's been insane. He's gone through three brain surgeries, two rounds of chemo and radiation. I mean, there was a couple of times where we really didn't know if he was going to make it, but he is a miracle. He is truly a walking miracle. He has grade four brain cancer. His last surgery was in 2019 and he just keeps plugging away, which is just insane. But that experience taught me so much for my own diagnosis, which was in 2021. And I remember going and getting that mammogram, my normal mammogram. And I was taking my little selfies. Don't forget to get your mammograms. And I got a call back. And they said, Hey, um, we need to do a second mammogram and an ultrasound because we're seeing something. And I was like, okay. And I didn't worry that much, but the really crazy thing is she said, do you want to know which breast? And I was like, sure. And in my head, I was like, she's going to say my left. I know she's going to say my left. She's totally going to say my left. And she said, your left breast, even though I hadn't felt anything. So it's not like I, isn't that weird? wild. Yeah. So that I went in for that repeat ultrasound or repeat mammogram and ultrasound. And I just thought there's no way the whole time I'm thinking there's no way, like there's no way husband and wife can both have cancer. Like that can't be possible. So I go get my mammogram and she's like, yep, we're still seeing it. So when you do have to do a repeat mammogram, it's kind of like this, at least in my area, you do your mammogram, you, then if, if they still see it, then you go to the ultrasound. And if they see something there that they don't like, then you see the doctor. So your hope is that you don't ever reach the doctor. <laughs> so I do the mammogram right. and, and they're like, we still see it. So let's do this ultrasound. And I was still feeling okay because I know that it's so common for women to go back in because of them seeing something on a scan. Like it's just mammograms are so good now. They can see so much that it's not that surprising when things do arise and it's not cancer. But when I was back there in the ultrasound room, I just remember thinking, this is not good. Cause I could tell she was in a certain area for a long time. And then she said, Hey, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab the doctor. And I was like freaking out, but I still thought literally in the back of my head, I still thought, there's no way. Like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. And the doctor came in with like the saddest face. And he was like, Hey, um, we're definitely seeing something. So you're not feeling anything? I'm like, No. And I'm like, We, and he said, We are thinking this could be cancer. So we need you to come in for a biopsy. And I was like, Okay. He's like, Do you have any questions? I'm like, Nope. <laughs> I just wanted to get home immediately. And this is the crazy thing, Mindy, is my neighbor 
right next door. Literally, I was throwing a party for her for completing radiation the next week. Is this wild? Three of us in a row. That is wild. Yeah. So I called her and she was like, well, at least they didn't call you back for an immediate biopsy. I'm like, true, 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 true. And then I get home and I'm sitting with Darren and Drew and I get a phone call from the nurse and she said, Hey, we just, we need you to come back ASAP. We need you here first thing tomorrow morning. The doctor looked at everything again, and we are pretty sure this is going to be cancer. Literally my world just stopped. Like at this point, now I knew it was not good. And I just was a mess. I was a mess. I cried and cried and cried until I had no more tears. I always wear lashes. They did not exist anymore. (laughs) Like it was just like, I let it all out. I remember Darren and not that this was probably the right thing, but Darren was like, serve me wine, which did help in the moment. And I just uh, cried it out. And, you know, it was, it was the hardest, most scary thing I've ever heard in my life. In fact, I didn't even know for sure yet, but I knew, you know what I mean? Right. Like I knew. Right. That fear, that unknown too, before you head back in and you have so much background because of your husband, Darren. Correct. So you have this background knowing, hey, the, and then your friend. So you know, yes. you knew. Yes. I knew. And and I and I woke up, but I so I went to bed that night. And we'll I know we'll maybe talk about the morning routine in a little bit, but I woke up that I I am the type of person just like you, Mindy, where I'm like, okay, I had my cry. I let it all out. Now let's go. So I woke up and I started doing my typical morning routine. And then I stupidly opened my email and I looked at that, my chart and my tip for you, if anybody's listening, wait until you're in the doctor's office until you open up the test results. If it's something that's this big, because immediately what I saw, it said by rad five and five was the highest. So in my head, I was thinking this was stage four. It was the worst of the worst. And I had weeks to live. And that's where my mind went. It was ridiculous. And what that BIRAD5 meant was that this is very likely cancer. That's all. It didn't mean anything about the staging or grading. So that's why our minds go to the craziest places. So when it comes to reading my charts and then Googling it, I really recommend waiting until you talk to the doctor. So then if it is the worst, at least, okay, then the doctor is saying it, but if it's not, you're not spiraling and going crazy. Correct. Correct. Um, which I, so, which I was. so wait, when you were, when you were sitting there and you got the news, you were with your son and your husband, right? Yeah. So did you, did you, did they knew, Darren knew, but did your son know, or were you guys kind of. So he knew, so he was, he knew, but he was trying to be really strong. And, and he, oh. I think, I think at this point he had gone upstairs for a little bit, but he knew he can't kept coming down and just like trying to be really positive. And I called my daughter at the time she was living in California and she was like, you've got this mom. Like we've been through it, you know, like this was our, our family is so open and I'm sure you are too. When you have things like this in your life, you're just, you are open about everything. And it's just conversations. We don't keep things the secret. We never did with Darren's. I mean, we haven't said like, here's the stats on what he has, because honestly, stats lie. They're not, that doesn't mean how things are going to you know, work out for you. That's just a couple people that have had it happen that way. It's just statistics. It's not you. So we've never talked about that, 
Um, but we're just open with them. So he knew. Yeah. Um, that got me emotional. I've had goosebumps like our whole combo so far. Oh. We're like, I don't know, eight minutes in. So this is just, this is going to help so many people. So, um, so I know again, this is different, but I have the same situation of as, as in I had to go to the doctor or hear that Lily was diagnosed with autism and all that kind of stuff. And then you had this, so we cry it out. And sometimes I just want you guys to know it's okay. Did you hear her? She cried. She, she cried it out. When I found out Lily had autism, I cried it out, but then it's important to not stay in that place. So how did you go from, I mean, again, you're just that person, yeah. but how do you, I know you, if you guys don't follow Jen, please do. She'll share how you can follow her, but she has like a whole freaking community of women that she is just like a light in their world and guiding them through first hearing about it, what to do first step. So we're going to talk about this on that the episode, but what, how do you coach your community of women to go from that place that yeah. it really kind of feels like you could hang out there for a long time. How do you it get does. them over the hump? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it is, it is so important to get out all the emotions, like everything. You can be mad. You can be pissed. You can be the, why me? You can be angry. You can be so sad. It can be devastated. Like you have to feel it all. And you don't want to try to block that because I truly believe that if we don't let it out and let our feelings out, those emotions become stuck, stuck energy, which then can be further dis-ease within the body. So you've got to first process all the emotions like we just talked about. And then you've got to come up with things in your life, like tools that are going to help you through these moments. So for me, when I was feeling that extreme panic, I didn't know, and that's not like me. And I didn't know how at one point I was going to drive myself to the hospital to get this biopsy because I was so scared and we were in COVID times. So it was just me. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I just have Darren drive me. And he sits out in the parking lot. Like I didn't know what to do. And that was when he still had a driver's license. <laughs> he doesn't have one now. But um, so I was, I, I all of a sudden just grabbed my phone. And I downloaded an app. I searched on the apps meditation and I downloaded unplug. And that meditation app has been with me ever since. So you have wow. to find tools that help you. And I, I did this one, I will never forget it. I did this one meditation. It was called your superpower calm. And that meditation stuck with me my entire like treatment. It's, it was the first time I felt calm. It was the first time I was like, okay, I can do this. So during what I always preach is meditation. That is like your number one thing because our bodies are in such a state of fear and we need to bring it that down, bring down the panic into a calm state, which is with meditation and then also breath work and like working on different breath work exercises. I love the box breathing, which I'm sure, you know, it's that inhale for four, hold for four exhale for four and hold for four. And just that alone can bring so much calm and peace into your life. And so it's coming up with things that will bring you calm and peace. I think you have to journal. You've got to write out what you're going through. Even the hard times, like I'm so happy I wrote it out because I have a book now that I pulled from that journal and plugged in a lot of the journal entries in my book. But it's just so powerful to get it all out, all the emotions you're feeling on paper. And then 
find somebody who's going through it a step ahead of you. And now everybody's not going to be your personality type. Like there was some podcast that I listened to and I was like, that's not my person. That's not the direction I know for me that I want to go. And then I would find somebody who was, and that's really helpful. And this is why I built this community because now I have women join my community because all this is there for them. Um, but just working on personal development, learning about what you're going through, but maybe not learning all the things, you know, I think people think like, Oh, I need to Google it all. No, you don't. I actually know one woman who I interviewed on my podcast who still to this day does not know her diagnosis. She is huge. Yeah. She has huge anxiety and her and her husband decided he knows she doesn't know. She just okay. did the treatment, but she has no idea the stage or grade. I think protecting your mind is super powerful. You almost even have to yeah. let the people know around you like, hey, I don't need to know about your mom or your aunt or friend that died of what I'm going through. <laughs> it's sad. Oh God, I know. Yes. Because people, they're, they're not trying to be mean. They're trying to relate. They're trying to say, mm-hmm. I get it. But that's so hard for somebody that's been diagnosed to then hear about somebody who did not make it out of what that what you're going through. Oh, for sure. And I think this goes for everything. Like when you're trying to protect your mindset, you know this because we're big personal growth people. But I'm like, I don't need to hear all the negative or watch the news or what. I mean, obviously, we have to be in the know. So you you have to watch a little. But like, why put that into your mind, especially when you have fear uncertainty, anxiety, you don't, and and I don't know, I'm sure you can, you talk a lot about this in your book, I'm sure. And I'm sure you talk about on your podcast, but I feel like, don't you feel that anxiety and fear can make you more sick? Oh, a 100%. I mean, everybody that I've interviewed and I've interviewed a lot that have gone through a cancer diagnosis, there was always stress in their life prior to their diagnosis. 100%. All of us. So I really think, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors that, you know, it's, it's interesting right now. People assume like, oh, well, I won't get breast cancer because I don't have any family members. 90% of breast cancer diagnoses, diagnoses, or however you say that are not, uh, related to family. It's environmental. That's really, Mm -hmm. that's sad, but it also gives us a sense of control you know, when we exercise, that's the other thing I had to do. My morning routine has to consist of some of moving my body. I mean, the stats, it's a 55% reduced risk of recurrence when you're doing the minimal, uh, guidelines that the, uh, cancer society puts out there. Like it's like 25 minutes a day. Like that's it. 55% reduced risk of recurrence. Like that's mind blowing. That is mind blowing. And And you want to know what? That's, and that goes for other illnesses as well. So you're just, even though, you know, okay, you don't, maybe you don't believe that it's going to make an impact. It's going to help you in all areas. It's going to help your mindset. So, wow, that is so so cool. There's so much controversy out there in all areas, like the diet, the, like all the things, there's so much controversy. It's insane. Like you can find one extreme to another in every single topic, except exercise. Everybody agrees that exercise is so important for longevity, for your life, for your mental health, for your, for it to help with, you know, disease, like all the things. And I remember people said to me, well, wait a minute, 
you're fit. You were already into fitness. So what's the point? You got a diagnosis. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much more. I really Uh think that my diagnosis woke me up with my nutrition. I was like, I was like the type of fit that was like trying to fit into the skinny jeans. And I was just eating to get in protein. I didn't look at like the ingredients and the way I eat and what I put into my body and the way I exercise even and my stress all of that has done a complete change, everything. Wow. I, I mean, so there's blessing in the struggles that you go through. I feel like our entire family, I mean, I was using Tide laundry soap. I was eating like we were eating whatever. And Lily's diagnosis is what literally put me, I didn't know anything until that. So there, that can be a, you know, if you're looking on the bright side, like Jen does, Mm-hmm. that's one of the positives about this, that it could help in other areas because it's like that wake up call. And by the way, I just side note, her book is called Not Today Cancer. So I highly recommend getting it because here's why that she just mentioned that I just wanted to make sure I mentioned this is that I remember going through and I'm by the way, I'm not trying to compare these two at oh, all. It's fine. About autism or cancer or whatever it is. I'm just saying for the listener, It could be, you're probably dealing with something in your life right now. So this, you can pull what Jen is saying and take her tips and apply it to your life in whatever area, because we all have struggles, right? So, but the thing that you were saying is I did not do that journaling that you're mentioning. And Mm. I so wish I, I created a blog probably a year in and I'm like, I'm so grateful I created that blog because I wouldn't be able to tell these mothers who are getting this autism diagnosis for their child. I, it's hard to remember back 10 years ago what I did first or how I felt or whatever, but I had that blog. So it's not the same thing. But the fact that in your book, these people that buy your book, Not Today Cancer, you're going to actually get how she felt in the moment because you're yeah. pulling from your journal, you said, right? Yes. 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 Oh, I have parts priceless. of it in there. Like when I first found out. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was insane. And I'm, so I'm so glad I did it. And I think, you know, journaling is something that people think of as really difficult and like, you have to be this really good writer and it has to say these specific words. And I know you, you cannot read my writing. It is not legible. And there's a lot of times, and it's just like, whatever's I'm, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, nobody would understand uh-huh. what I'm writing, but me and my mind knows it's getting out or that it's getting out of my head, but there's a lot of times where, you know, like there's something with Darren and it's something that worries me, but I don't want him to ever find this. So I tear it up. It's just getting thoughts that you have in your head out onto paper. It's so powerful. So, and, and I, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people put off, but it's a, it's pretty amazing. So what if you were feeling in the moment that morning in your journaling or at night, whenever you do it, and we're going to get into your morning routine in a second here. What if you were feeling those fearful things? I know you said for Mm -hmm. your husband, Darren, but what if you're feeling that? Do you journal it just to get it out? Like you said, getting Mm -hmm. things out, or do you not want to focus on that? That's a really good question. Um, Because this is something that I actually pivoted a little bit because I do think it's important for us to look fear in the face. And I think, you know, for a while there, which did help in the moment. So I'm not saying not to do this, but when I, I, cause you feel a lot of fear in the beginning, you just do. 
when anybody's heard the words, you have cancer, it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is, your life changes for the, for the rest of your life. You will always, it's almost like PTSD from that diagnosis. And so if you feel anything weird or you have a skin coming up, or it's just like, you just all of a sudden think about it. Like, what if, you know, the fear comes up, I used to tell that voice to shut up. I would say, this is, this is not me. This is just something in my head. But I do think it's important for us to be like, okay, why am I feeling this way and deal with it instead of shutting down feelings? Because I think when we shut down feelings, it can trigger other emotions to come out. Like there was a girl that I knew that went through a diagnosis and she powered through everything. She was like, I'm good. I got this. And like went through all the treatments and then afterwards dealt with serious depression. A lot of times people assume like, oh, your treatment's over. You're all good. And for somebody who's dealt with a breast cancer, it's, it's lifelong. Like it, it never goes away because you're typically on some sort of medication and maybe your body's been altered or you're on these meds for a long time, or you've been put into menopause. Like there's all these things that happen where the majority of the world are cheering you on. Like you did it, you're done. And you're like, mm, no, it's just starting. So the fear does get better over time. It does. But for a moment there, almost after treatment, it gets a little bit worse because you've been helped by these doctors and nurses for a while. And then all of a sudden it's all on you. And you're like, wait, uh-huh. how am I going to do this? And so that's why I think for me taking control of the situation, which by eating right, exercising, minimizing my stress, like doing all the things to to help me gives me a sense of power in this. You know, I don't leave it up to the doctors. I know many people who just are like, I'll do what the doctors say and do the surgery and the radiation and the chemo. And then they just go back to life as is, which I don't think that's the right thing. And I think those are the people that have more fear that comes up. Did I even, right. and I feel like I went down a million different tangent. <laughs> Yeah, no, but this is, everyone's used to it because they have to hear from me every week. So when they know I have ADHD, no, that was great though, because I actually really wanted to know that question for myself, because I feel like maybe a little bit of recovering, not so much recovered toxic positivities in me, because I'm like, don't shut that voice up. And I think that's true for some things, but like you're saying, I believe you, I believe that was a traumatic experience. And that was PTSD when you went through that, finding that out in the period, actually the whole thing. And then plus what you go through with your husband. And so I do think that if it's just like you look disgusting in those jeans, that's a shut this voice up type of thing. So you got to kind of decipher, but if it's a PTSD triggering thought, face fear in the face that you're saying, or yes, you know, like do deal with it head on. I do. I think that you have to go, okay, I see you fear. I'm here for you. And it doesn't, it's not going to have, doesn't have to happen this way, but I see you. We're going to meditate on this. We're going to like work on some breath work. We're going to maybe journal a little bit, like why I'm feeling this way and how can I come out of it? That's kind of what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you work through it. Yeah. You work through it. You don't stay stuck in it. Like you don't like believe it's not that that fear is true but it's happening. It's really happening. Like that fear is in our minds. So it's, it's just dealing with it and processing it and working through it. So that fear can go away. Cause I think if we just keep shutting it down, it just keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. And until you actually so like look at true. it. Yeah. 
So true right. and so good. I mean, I think that was great advice because there's going to be some things that come up for, for you guys that, you know, you kind of want to like, oh, I don't want to focus on this and spiral on this, but you can reframe it. Like you totally. just said, that was beautifully, I love that you shared that because you're just like, okay, this is the mm-hmm. feeling. I'm going to reframe it because it's not mm-hmm. true. Right. And then you've got to work through that. Otherwise it'll come out in different ways. Like you yeah. said, so that's amazing. I'm glad you shared that because I feel like a lot of people probably struggle with that. I know I do yeah. just with whatever. So, yeah. um, okay. Let's share your morning or do you want to share something else on that? No, no. Before we, oh, okay. No. Okay. I thought you were going to say something. Um, let's go into, I believe so deeply in a morning routine. And I feel like you just said, after you get past this and you're on your own and stuff, you, the way I see the, what, what I call this is being on your game, like mm-hmm. working out nutrition, morning mm-hmm. routine. So share your morning routine. Cause I think that sets your the tone for the entire day. A thousand percent. Like I cannot imagine my life without this. And so I've been doing this for a long time before my diagnosis. My morning was really important to me. I would wake up before everybody else, but it has definitely changed. You know, I was all business before, after my diagnosis, I spend the first about 20 minutes, like de-stressing before my day even starts. So what I do is I, before I even get out of bed, I lay there and thank God for a new day. And I get excited for my day ahead. I, I, I don't sit there and think about like, oh my God, what do I have to do today? I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you God for this new day. And I'm so excited about it. Something really good is going to happen today. I go downstairs, I make my tea or coffee and I get in this comfy, cozy place and I'm either meditating, I'm doing personal development or I'm doing a tapping session. And I kind of switch them up, but whatever I feel like is in my heart is what I need is what I focus on. So I first, it's like 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20, just like getting calm and peaceful. And then I write out my affirmations, you know, how I want my life to look, how I want my day to look, what my dreams are. And then I write in that journal, everything that I have to do for the day. And I also really, what's really important and again, this is something I learned after my diagnosis is we have to have activities that are calming. So instead of just trying to create busy work within our schedule and to-do lists, I mean, everything we have to do schedule in there, like I'm putting my phone down for 30 minutes from here to here. And I'm going to just like check in with my family, or I'm going to sit there and do a meditation, or I'm going to go jump in my sauna. Like you should have a calming exercise every single day. And if you're really busy, it doesn't have to be long. It can literally be like five minutes. I'm going to go in my car where nobody can bug me and I'm going to listen to a meditation or I'm going to do a breathing you know, exercise. And then I um, go down and get my workout in. And typically an, I, ha- I do do a meditation after my workout. So mornings isn't, it, mornings like first thing is usually tapping or, um, or personal development. I'm just searching something on YouTube. Um, or, or I'm reading a book too. Like sometimes I change it, you know, we don't want to get stuck in these routines either where it's just monotonous. So I change it up a little bit, but it's always some sort of like personal development in the morning. And then I get my exercise in meditate and then get ready for the day. Okay. I love that. So do you, when do you get your journaling in? Do you, is oh, that right like part of the morning? Yes. So I oh, you think do it there affirmations too. is journaling. Oh, gotcha. Same. So I really think I'm those the are the same thing. And, and sometimes I'm like writing in paragraph form and sometimes I'm just writing out 
whatever I want. My, my body is powerful. My body knows how to heal itself. You know, whatever it is that I need at that moment is what I'm writing down. Okay. Perfect. Love that. And then for fitness, I know we've touched on this a lot, but is there a certain type of fitness routine or exercise that you should do when you have that diagnosis? Yeah, I definitely, of course, if you are dealing with, um, you know, you've got to get cleared by the doctor, you know, but I, for me, when I went through radiation, I worked out every day. It was the one thing I was exhausted throughout radiation, but I, I scheduled my radiation first thing in the morning and then I would go immediately in my gym and I would sweat it out. And it just felt so good to me, whether it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Um, sometimes I would get in just as, as little, as much as I could. Sometimes it was rebounding or like moving your lymphatic system is so good. And then I would just lay there in meditation, but yeah, work, workouts, that's everything. Oh, but it should be also, um, gentle, a little bit more gentle, a little bit more kinder. Like I remember thinking in the beginning, I'm saying in the beginning, I remember thinking like years ago walking, I don't have time for walking. Like what a waste. I want to get in like a run or like this killer workout and you just have to be kinder to your body. So I walk a lot. I hike, I, um, do Pilates. I do yoga, Right now I am doing a lifting program. It's a little bit more aggressive, but that's okay. This is what I want to do right now. I listen to my body though. And I don't and did like you do that before. No, I just followed whatever no. the program said. Okay. So now I, I create, right. So now I create my own schedule based on what the, pro- so I'm doing dig deeper right now. And okay. that's too much for me. Cause I don't like lifting the five days in a row that he has. So I like to break it up and I know my body type. And I know that if I get, if I just keep lifting over and over again, I'm going to get inflamed. And you're, you know, when you're lifting, you're creating a cortisol in your body. And when you're diagnosed, you want to like minimize that. So in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you want to do like just lighter workouts. Okay. So that's, that's so good to know. And I, if you think about that, you want to reduce inflammation. So that all makes sense. To yeah. do something like and listening to your body. Cause like you just said that, like I listen to my body. I'm like, wait, did she do that before? Cause I don't do no. that as, as very well. I've come this past year. That's my goal. Rebounding, listening to my body, adding in those things, walking. I was like, you, I'm like, dude, no, I got to get like a turbo <laughs> yes. hit in before I can't yes. just waste my time on walking. Right. Right. Totally. And now I love walking. And the other thing, you know, there are and, and you, if somebody's listening, that's newly diagnosed or diagnosed with something and you're like in the thick of it and you hate that I'm about to say this, I get it. Cause I remember Darren would say, Oh, but cancer's a blessing. And I'd be like, no, it sucks. And that's where I, my head was for a little bit, but now I look at it as such a blessing because it's incredible. When you look around outside, I'm looking outside, it's snowing right now. And you see the world through a new set of eyes it's like so beautiful. Everything is greener and like crisper in the sun and the clouds. You just see everything so differently. And that's yeah. a gift. It, it is a gift. And you know what? I, I had goosebumps when you said this about when you, I think you were talking about your morning routine and you said the first thing I do that I didn't used to do, but I do now is I thank God for another day. And that gave me goosebumps when you said that actually, because it's, I thought to myself, wow, what a, not a blessing that you now yeah. wake up every single day. Thank you for this day. We every all day. can learn from that because yeah. we take it for granted. 
Totally. I mean, I got so much more spiritual after my diagnosis because I needed to have an understanding of everything of just like life Uh and me getting more spiritual helped me so much because I've always had this fear of death. And I I hate to even talk about it, but I, I, I did like Darren has my husband who has grade four brain cancer. He has, we have had open discussions about his diagnosis, about, you know, if he doesn't make it like he, what he wants, what his wishes are. And the thought of me having that discussion overwhelmed me. And I never want, you know, we, I wanted, I'm invincible. I'm going to be here forever. I never would have wanted to think of me not being here, but it makes you think about all that. And it makes you Mm -hmm. like, okay, I, all right. I'm not so scared of it anymore. So it is kind of wild how this opens your eyes and makes you more fearless about life. I agree. And I think the post, it, it is weird. It's, it's wild. It's a wild thing because if you think about this, you're getting this information. I think that a lot of people that will listen to it will probably be like a newly diagnosed uh, person, but like you get this, you're in that fear, you're in that uncertainty. You don't know where to turn, but if you turn to spirituality and God, it just makes you, it takes that, it literally removes the anxiety and fear from your body when you have that, you know, higher power, when you have God and know that he has you in the palm of your hands, it's almost like, It's amazing. I'm so glad that you shared that because I think a lot of people put that maybe last because it's not like a, okay, like a task to do. It's, it's giving power to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So I wanted to, I, I feel like nutrition is, you're so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, what are you, what are you again, certified in? Aren't you? Well, I'm an integrative health practitioner, but I'm not a nutritionist. So I like to make that very clear. I'm not a nutritionist, but I, and a lot of, and and some people are torn with this too. I like to think of when I was diagnosed, what was I doing prior? Like, why did this diagnosis happen? And a lot of people like don't want to think that because they don't want to think that they did anything wrong. But for me thinking that way, makes me go, okay, this gives me some control over it. You know, like if it was just, cause it's your cells, like they're screwing up. It's your cells are like mm-hmm. messing up. So that's basically what it is. But why is that happening? And, you know, we live in this environment where it's not great. The air we breathe, the food we eat, all the processed food, like all the junk. So when I was first diagnosed, I was, I was almost like an animal, you know, how animals, when they get sick, they refuse to eat. Mm-hmm. That was me. I was scared to put anything into my body because I knew what I was eating had to change. And I just started looking into things and I have been mostly whole food plant-based. I mean, nine times out of 10, I mean, most like once in a while, if I'm like on vacation where they've got really good wild caught fish, I'll have it. But typically I am whole food plant-based. I do do not do the fake meats. And I don't think you have to go that extreme. Um, But I know that prior to my diagnosis, I was eating basically meat for every meal you know, I was eating not enough food, fruits and vegetables. I was not focused on fiber. And I really think we fiber is so important, especially for women, because what fiber does is binds to that excess estrogen and helps you get it out of your body. And, you know, we focus so much on protein, which if you're eating enough of the right foods, you're getting enough protein. It should be like, how much fiber are we getting? 
and somebody with women at the very minimum should be getting 25 grams, but that's not typical. People are like getting way less than that. Somebody with a diagnosis should get 35 grams plus. Wow. Which is a lot of fiber, but I feel so good the way I eat now. So good. You do. You notice the difference. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I got this out right. The only thing I don't believe in is fake meats, the fake chicken, the overly, so there can be a lot of unhealthy vegans. It's all about mm-hmm. like, if you're buying a bunch of packaged garbage, so all you have to do is look at the ingredients. If this ingredient is a list is a mile long and there's words you can't pronounce, put it back. Like that's my motto. Like, and I really do cook most of my food and I just okay. don't such, I mean, I'm like, there's the biggest difference. I love the way I eat. Like okay, I remember, so why... I just, yeah, go, oh, sorry. Oh, keep going. I used to swear off like, uh, like bread, whole food or like a uh, whole grains. I used to be like, no, I'm not eating that. It's bread. I might got to eat it every day. Okay. So like you're describing my diet. That's good. <laughs> Wait, uh, no, describing... I mean, I eat a lot of meat. I'm, I'm you before and before 2021, because I'm like, Joey just said, well, let's just have salads. I'm like, but what's our protein? Like my yes. mind goes to like, okay, that's fine, but we need a protein. Yeah. So that's protein what my mind is. So protein is good, but I, and people always ask me, how are you getting enough protein? Oh my gosh. I get so much protein. Protein comes in vegetables. It's in beans, legumes, uh, whole grains. It's in tofu and tempeh. And, you know, people used to be so scared of tofu or soy and soy as long as it's non-GMO, like organic, like source, sourced properly, soy is actually beneficial for women with breast cancer. Like beneficial. Like there are studies in, yes, in um, like uh, Asia, in Asia where that tofu is like the main thing. Breast cancer was, did not exist there. It nor did menopause because uh, um, soy can also help with menopause symptoms. It did not exist breast cancer in Asia until the Western diet was introduced. Huh? I mean, right there alone, it's just like huge proof. Right. And I, I, so I like tempeh and I love tofu and I'm always like, Oh, I better not get it. Well, like you said, it's probably if you're out to eat more than likely yeah. it has GMO. So right. I, don't I was going to buy it at home. Okay. Yeah. So you don't. Okay. Good no, to know. I don't. But yeah. So what, what is the thing about meat though, that may, that they recommend and you recommend not to, to eliminate it after your diagnosis? Well, it's breast cancer specific, but again, again, this is, I I think that meat is okay in like small portions and it is, um, you know, grass finished. So it's good meat and it's like just a little portion on your plate. Like if you look at your plate it should be mostly vegetables, a little bit okay. of whole grain, and and then your protein. Like and and if that's meat, if that's your choice. But I really think it's important. We're all different. All of our bodies work differently. And I think testing is super important because sometimes people, they, you can even do like blo- like a blood test that can look at your DNA to say, okay, well she doesn't need a little meat. You know, I think we're all different. We're all unique and you need to find out what's right for you. So that takes testing. This is what I do and what works for me, but there is a link with red meat, ultra processed meat with breast cancer, kind of a big okay. one. So de- 
if you've had a diagnosis of breast cancer, I would definitely eliminate any um, processed meat, like bacon, sausage, um, deli meat, like that. I would definitely steer clear of. That is like a known carcinogen that is a link with breast cancer. Dairy is questionable. So I just don't do dairy very often, or I don't do dairy at all, but that's one that's kind of, you know, in question. But again, you just have to do your research because you can see both sides of it. So you got to do right. what you believe in what your body, like if you do testing, what is your body telling you when you eat something? What is your body telling you? Just listen to your body. Like our bodies can tell us so much. Yeah, that's so true. And also like test it out for, what do you say? Like 30, would you notice a difference in like 30 days? If they did that for 30 days, would they be able to tell if if this is for them or against Well, the thing about being, okay. So one thing that I always recommend is increasing your fiber intake and with increasing your fiber intake, you're going to have some stomach issues. Just how it goes. If you're not used to having fiber in your body, you're going to have some fiber or some stomach issues, but that goes away, you know? And I recommend you can, I mean, if you can, I know it's extra money and insurance doesn't cover it, but if you can get like a food sensitivity test or like just some testing done to understand how your body works. It's really helpful. It's very, I couldn't agree. Yeah. I couldn't agree more because I have two kids on the spectrum and I couldn't do exactly what I did for Lily. I have to do complete opposite with Hudson because they're two different kids. Right. And the thing about that, I want to say this too. So for Darren, anybody that has a neurological brain cancer, neurological, anything, they do recommend more of a ketogenic diet, but not a ketogenic. So, so here's where they, where things get messed up. I think people think ketogenic diet, it's meat and butter and really high fat, but and bacon, right. That's part of it. But there's also, again, a lot of vegetables. They're still eating a lot of healthy foods along with it. Um, have you ever read the book? You, I'm sure you haven't because you didn't go through a diagnosis, but there's a docu-series I'm, re- I'm um, watching on it too, but it's Radical Remission. And it's really powerful how there's all these people who had a cancer diagnosis. They Most of them went through the traditional route of chemotherapy, radiation, all the things. And it came back, it didn't work. And they were kind of at the like lost hope. And they changed it with diet and exercise and changing their water and minimizing stress. There's nine factors, but the diet part of it, there's some diets that worked for some and some that worked for others, but overall across the diets, it was more, more fruits, more vegetables, more fruits, like full, like a lot of vegetables. That makes so much sense because yeah. there's, you get so much out of those things. So it's like common yeah. sense. It's just like we are lifting weights. So we put the emphasis on, okay, I got to get my protein. Yes. And so you just don't think about the nutrients that our cells and our bodies need. So this is just s- such great information just for anybody, just for preventative. Yeah. Even. Right. So oh my God, for I, sure. love I wish I would have known, like I had no idea about breast health prior to my diagnosis. I wish I knew what I do now because I think right. that I could have like, who knows? You can't ever go back, but I wish I would have had this knowledge that I have now. So preventive, preventative, if you could go back, number one, you would have changed your diet with um, a thousand percent, no protein. 
more, more like not focused on the protein, more about like what you're putting in your body for nutrients. Yeah. yeah I think diet okay. is a really big piece of it. And I would, that's a big one. I would minimize stress. I would have some sort of way to de-stress every single day. I was living in a constant go, go, go. I was never slowing down. I meditation. I didn't have time for meditation, walking. I wanted to run like all the things. It was just go, go, go. And I never gave myself like peace and I needed more peace. So yeah, definitely diet peace. And that, and, and again, not like you have to go vegan. I'm just saying, look at your diet, add in more fruits, add in more vegetables and add in more fiber. Yeah. Take your health seriously. That's yeah. basically the best preventative mess, um, method yeah. that you could apply from what I'm, my takeaways for myself that I'm going to yeah. be changing after talking to you. <laughs> okay. So let me just switch gears out of nutrition for a second. Um, so what for parenting, I know, I don't yeah. know how old were your kids when you found this out? Cause I know they're older now, but right. Well, let's go back to Darren. So Darren, Darren yeah. was diagnosed. Drew was four and I think Maddie was eight. So it's, here's what I, here's what I think is really important when talking to your kids. I think it's really important to be honest and open and not be secretive about it because kids can tell, you know, they hear you on the phone. You may think they're not listening, but they are. And I think they're going to hear these words and you just have to be open and honest with them. You don't need to give them all the gory details, but just be open with them. And also mm -hmm. really important is to understand that your kids are unique and how they respond to it. So Drew was very hands-on and very wanted to be involved, even though he was really little. And Maddie was, it scared her. The whole thing scared her, but I could tell that she internalized a lot of it and cared deeply. So even though she may not have been outwardly like seeking to help, I knew that I had to give her, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, mm -hmm. I knew that she cared. She just didn't know how to show it. And they're just kids. Yeah. They don't know how. And, and even you might think that they might be like oh, devastated and they might be like, oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to Sarah's or I need to go do some homework. And you're like, wait, that was their reaction. You have no idea what their reaction is going to be. And you have to be okay with their reaction. What the kids want is your life to be as normal as possible. So trying to keep the routine as normal as possible is, is the best oh. advice I can give. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. And then, um, I know something about you and Darren is you guys always bring humor yes. into it and like make light of things. And I think your kids probably feed off of your energy and your they sense do. of humor and like, Oh wait, they're, they're making jokes about this. It must, it's not as heavy for them. Right. Maybe that you have to laugh through the crazy. I mean, when you're diagnosed, things don't go as planned you know, there's issues at the doctor's office or who knows what's going to happen, what happens. And Darren and I have learned to just laugh through the crazy and just don't take things so seriously. I mean, that goes for life. Like just don't yeah. take life so seriously. Like have fun. Yeah. yeah we're here you guys have me. to listen. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say, have to listen to their podcast together because Darren's on her pod or it's your podcast together. It's, um, not today cancer, right? They're yeah. both the same, the book and, he, and the podcast. Yeah. He is. So like I said, <laughs> Darren has brain cancer and he doesn't remember and he's just sometimes inappropriate, but he's, he's so funny and just it, it's, it, it feels good to others. I think to listen to us because 
we're making light out of it, not light. I mean, we're real too, but it doesn't feel so heavy. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important. I know like when I was diagnosed, I said, I found these two girls on a podcast and they had both gone through breast cancer and they were like laughing at what they were going through. I was like, Oh, like I can do this. If they're doing it, I can do this. It just makes it like possible. I can't imagine like people that there's some people who keep it a secret. They don't want to tell anybody. I'm like, gosh, I can't imagine being alone in this. Like that would be the hardest thing. Yeah. Carrying the weight of the world and just, you just would feel you wouldn't be yourself in everyday life. Yes. Holding on to that. I know. Yeah. I I love you and Darren, how, how you just, (laughs) you guys are just hilarious. You're so cute together and just, it makes it feel okay to other people. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm going to be okay. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just makes it feel real and authentic and genuine. Plus you're sharing tips. So definitely make sure that you subscribe to their podcast. You're going to want to do that. Okay. So speaking of Darren, let's talk marriage. So you guys are unique because you both have the diagnosis, but like for somebody maybe, well, first of all, what are your tips, how you guys keep your marriage strong throughout these life challenges? But like, also if you were, cause you were the person that didn't have it when Darren did. So maybe just share a little bit about that. Both scenarios. Yeah. It was, I mean, we've gone through major role reversals like a lot. So when he was diagnosed, you know, we had to, especially not necessarily after the first one, but for surgery, but after the second one, which was about 18 months later, it was in 2011, he struggled a lot and he was on chemo for a year. And we definitely, our marriage turned into a caretaker, um, patient role for quite some time. And I remember I was with both of our friends, Shalene Johnson. I was with her, uh, in California and she was like, I was telling her about it. And she's like, immediately got me into an EMDR therapist because we just lost that love, that, that, um, in love feeling. I loved him. My God, he's my best friend in the entire world, but our roles changed so much that I couldn't see us in like a romantic way. So I went to therapy and then I was open and honest with him. And then, and he's been open and honest with me and we started dating again and we like, were able to change that. And then the interesting part, when I was diagnosed, you know, your body changes a little bit and your breast just tried to kill you. Something that's supposed to be a sexual thing, no longer feels sexual anymore. And mm-hmm. it's something that we, I had to process and get through. But I think the, the, the most important thing is being honest. I told Darren everything. I was like, this sucks. Like this does not feel good to me right now. And I don't, you know, also being put on hormone blocking meds and forced into menopause, you're like, nothing really sounds good, but you get there, but it, but it takes open conversations, open dialogue, being truly honest with each other, seeking therapy, dating, like not taking life so seriously. Like we don't, we've learned so much about life. Um, so yeah, it takes work. It's not always easy. It, it, uh, cancer diagnosis can really, and any diagnosis can, even with you, like dealing with a child with having like autism, like a diagnosis of any kind, it, it, it affects your relationships differently and it mm-hmm. can impact them. So yeah, it's, it's working through it. 
got to do the and work. so did you guys have to actually start scheduling those dates and like making an effort into that area of your marriage like both of you as a team I had to allow him to take the lead because for you know a year and a half I was the one that was in charge of everything he counted on me to take care of him and I mm-hmm. had to step back and allow him to like take me on a date you know what I mean? Like I, he wanted to be back in charge. Like it was for so long that I was in charge of everything we did. And when I released that, I could see him in a different light. And we just started, you know, having fun and dating again. And, and it, it, it works. It yeah. Work. And I think that's good. I good, think that's good for the man too. Cause he's probably yeah. was so hard for Darren, Totally, but he had no choice to right. give up that role. Mm-hmm. And so it probably mm-hmm. felt really good even for his masculinity to be like, hey, I'm going to take my bride and take her on a date and I'm going to plan yeah. it. And yeah. then it feels also good for you. So I think that's really, really such a I'm glad that you said that because yeah. um, and, and mostly women probably listen to that. But like like Jen said, voice that what that tip that she just said, voice that to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Let him know that that's going to help and that's what you need. Like yeah. Jen did. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's, yeah, you, you be guys honest. And this that. is for marriage in general. You have to be honest about everything. Like I think so many times as women were like, well, why didn't he do this for me? I wish he would have thought of this. Like guys just don't think of things. We need to tell them, <laughs> yes. we need to put it in their head. We need to tell them exactly how we want things to happen. And then you're going to be have a happy life. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. So true. So, so true. And don't ever swear off therapy. I love that you, that Shalene, I love Shalene. She's like, this is what you're doing. She gets you into EMDR. I love that. So, but yeah, I mean, I think we sometimes can be, I know for me, you know, I don't know, probably six years ago, I was scared to go to therapy. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But sometimes it's, I mean, it, after you get the first two sessions, then yeah. you feel better. I feel like it's yeah. just scary at first. Darren and I would go into some therapy sessions like, oh, like annoyed and fighting. And then we'd leave there like holding hands and going on a date night. Like <laughs> you just talk. I love things. that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I don't want to take up more of your time here because this has been so amazing. But before I let you go, yeah. if you could give the listeners like one piece of advice or leave them with a thought or whatever, what would that be? Yeah. I think that honestly is to just to slow down and look around and to truly not take life so seriously and have fun. Like, I think we stress about everything. The news is constantly on. Everything's in our ear. We're, we've got our phones, the distraction. We've got just so many things. Just have fun. Like, schedule fun in your life. Turn off the news. Turn off all the noise. And just have fun. Because that's what, that's what we're here for. We have one life to live. One life. And you, it, you think you're in it and it's like forever. It's not. It's quick. And you've just got to make the best of it and have fun. Oh, I love that. I think that is universal to every single person yes. that's listening to this. That's, I mean, we all need that. We all need to slow down. What was that app you said? Because I feel oh, like that could benefit everybody. For the, medita- for the meditation, unplug. And the one thing I would say, so if it's a listener that's newly diagnosed, I would say to them is to go slow. 
I think we react so quickly out of fear and we're like, including myself, I did this and I've learned a lot along the way, but we run into these appointments. We're like, take this cancer out. And it's like, like, do all these things, but just slow down. Most of us nine times out of 10 have time and just take it slowly. Like take each step of this slowly. Like whatever your treatment plan is, just stay where you are now don't overthink it and get to the next step ahead of yourself. Okay. I love that. Such great advice. This was, this was an awesome conversation and I'm sure the listeners, I know I got so many takeaways, so I'm sure the listeners are just going to love this, but before I let you go, can you just tell everybody where they can follow you and all that, all the things? So I'm on Instagram mostly. It's um, Jen Delvo, J-E-N-D-E-L-V-A-U-X. And then I have a website, jendelvo.com. I have a cancer community. I have, my book is on Amazon. My podcast show is Not Today Cancer. So yeah, I am out there. Yeah, it's Not Today Cancer. That's her book and her podcast. So make sure you go subscribe to that. And then her book is on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Jen. This was so, so lovely. So fun. Seriously, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Obsessed or Not Interested podcast. I love connecting with you on social media. So if you guys want, please shoot me a DM at either our podcast Instagram, which is at Obsessed or Not Interested, or even my personal Instagram, which is at Mindy Wender. I check them both, so either is fine. Oh, and truly, if this has helped you even 1%, If you could do me huge solid and leave me a rating and review, that would mean the world to me. When you guys do that, here's here's why I really love it. It's because it helps the podcast be able to reach more women who want and need this. So truly, that is like the best compliment you could ever give me is just leaving ratings and reviews for this podcast. Anything that I talked about in today's episode, any links or resources, you will find that in the show notes. Thank you for listening to today. Can't wait to chat more in the DMs and don't forget to tune in next Tuesday.